Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back with Brenda Berg, who's the president and CEO of Best NC. And we've uh, had Brenda on our program a number of times, and she had an outstanding career as an uh, entrepreneur uh, and business person before she entered this. So what, uh, what lured you over to getting interested in being in a nonprofit, nonpartisan coalition? <laughs> uh, Brenda, what, what, what was the deciding things that made you say, hey, maybe this is the way I want to finish my my career, or at least till you come to work for Curtis Media Group. <laughs> next, the next phase. We're, we're still hoping that's going to happen. <laughs> I am a recovering entrepreneur, as you said. I loved being an entrepreneur. I loved running my company. I loved the people I worked with. Um, but what I did for my passion as a CEO was I advocated for public education. It, it is the fundamental, the most important thing that I think I can do to help um, our community and our state move forward. I'm a, a data geek. I think the, the numbers are really important. I'm obsessed with public education and access. I'm a, a first-generation college-goer, so that plays a big role in the fact that I, I believe every student should have those opportunities that I was given. Um, and I'm from a rural community, um, and my parents had to move to an urban school system to get to give me access. So I really believe in our rural communities in North Carolina can, can do that. So being pulled into this um, as a with with half of my my career actually being in public policy and half of my career as a CEO, I, um, I I just couldn't miss the opportunity to to make a difference. And I'll also say it's because it's North Carolina. Um, we have this incredible history in North Carolina of transforming education, whether it's having the first public university or the first state to have all-day kindergarten. Y- you name it, we do things that are, are different and innovative, and I really believe North Carolina is on the cusp of doing some, some big, different things in education, reimagining this outdated kind of industrial model that, that frankly, devalues um, the, the teaching profession and, and therefore um, limits students' access. So I, I couldn't be more excited about this this opportunity, and I'm really proud to be in this role. We were talking about the industrial model, and of course that uh, right now has always been K through 12. And uh, But I'm hearing of more and more seniors, particularly, that have been ambitious and have finished most of their work and are basically finished with high school by mid-year of their senior year. Some are going on to college. Uh, has there been any thought to saying this this part of the model is also outdated where, you know, there has to be 12 years of, of uh, secondary education? Yeah, I think there's – that is probably the end of the spectrum where personalized, that competency-based learning is actually happening. We're, we're seeing a blending between high school and early colleges and community colleges and universities where more students who are in even, even 10th or 11th grade are starting to take college courses – um, I think North Carolina is doing a really good job in this this space, um, and I give a lot of credit to the leaders in the institutions, whether it's the community college system or um, the the K twelve system, that we haven't had a lot of the kind of the turf um, kind of battling between who gets which kids, um, and really focusing on the students and making sure that they have those opportunities. So I think North Carolina is really on the the front end of that. We'll probably have to get to a point point where we make that a little bit more seamless, but I think the the students are leading us in this in this one. We have had uh, people guests on this program from numerous fields who keep talking about broadband access across the state of North Carolina. North Carolina is probably a little ahead of most states as far as broadband, but then we have 
pockets of areas that are without it. Uh, this is an important opportunity for students in the underprivileged areas to have access That's to right. more uh, educational matters. Yeah, North Carolina, I believe we're the very first state in the nation that has internet connectivity in every classroom in the, in the school, in the, in the state. That's incredible. And yet, because we are such a rural state, we have so many kids who are leaving the school building at the end of the day and they're going home and they don't have access at home. So it's hard to do homework. Um, so that push for broadband access, I think, is really important. And then we're hearing of, of the parents benefiting from it, right? You're applying for jobs or, or working an online job. Um, getting access into the home, I think, is, is an important part of, of, frankly, education, but also the workforce. Now, there's some uh, legislation that's going to push this a little bit forward. Uh, is it enough or do we need to push this faster? I'm happy with the, the legislation that's moving through right now. I think we have the right coalition of people pushing, um, pushing hard for broadband. It has to be balanced with industry needs. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where, where they can go with it. Now, uh, most of the, uh, the uh, folks who are the uh, backers of Best NC, uh, both financially and with their time, uh, are also business leaders. Um, so what do they see in, in their meetings with you as the role of uh, Best NC in meeting the business and economic trends that are happening in North Carolina and what can be done in the K-12 through sector, sector to uh, accomplish that? I think um, where we've found our, our niche is um, dis- disrupting the status quo, for lack of a better description. The, there, if not us, who kind of opportunities. So 80% of our work is on the K-12 pipeline. The, the way you've, you've become a teacher or principal has been the same way we've had for over 100 years. And the business community has an opportunity to come in and, and lead and talk about how important having great people in your organization is. Um, and this is all for the student benefit. So we have the unique perspective that we're not coming in and representing the adults. We are talking about how we can make organizations that are better for teaching and, and leading of schools, um, but for the benefit of students. And we get to we have the privilege of being able to keep that in mind in everything we do. We also find other opportunities where the status quo has just been continuing for a long time. I th- a recent um, project that we worked on was to ensure that every bright student in mathematics gets access to an honors course. Um, and we know that tens of thousands of students every year are being deprived access um, in North Carolina. A year ago, we were the first state in the nation to pass a law to ensure that if you're scoring at the top levels of your math exams, that you're automatically placed into an honors course. So. Again, finding those opportunities where the business community can lean in and really make a difference where no one else has been 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 leading, frankly, it's it's a it's a great place for the business community to have a role. Let me change the subject and ask you something else now. we've We've been talking about teachers and principals and and systems. Um, <clears throat> how much research is being done with the student themselves in finding out what they need and what they think? and how they would like to see things changed. Is there any work being done there? I mean, after all, they're the customers. That's right, student-led design is what I like to call it. There actually is a, a uh, lot of great that work. That term again? Student-led design, so okay. the, the idea that the students are actually sort of leading the conversation. There's a great effort happening in Edgecombe County, a school of innovation, 
um, where they're really designing a school around kids who were really destined to end up leaving the school system altogether and, and designing a model that really works for them, much more interactive and project-based. Um, the reason I keep harping on teachers and principals is you can't have student-led design if you don't have great principals and teachers who are willing to be there to make those things happen. Um, so it has to be a partnership between, I, I think like any of us, if you're a, an executive and you're leading your team, you don't lead them by telling them what to do, right? You lead them by by enhancing their talents. And that's the same thing with, with students students coming in and, and leading, but with great um, teachers and principals to make sure the work gets done. Is there a parallel between the schools with the fewer discipline problems and the higher outcome of the students? The discipline question is really yet to be understood completely. We don't know whether or not the reporting, the data we have are reflective of actual incidents or are reflective of what gets reported. Um, so I think uh, what we do know is that schools where um, they're focused more on preventative as opposed to punitive, that students do better in the long run. Um, there's some really interesting research recently that um, the, the, there's an inverse correlation between school resource officers and long-term student achievement. We don't know whether that's correlated to something else that we don't know about, but I think this is a, an area where we need to do better and more, more homework. Um, this, is, this is definitely an area where we have uh, major equity issues in North Carolina and they need to be ad addressed, but we need to be really thoughtful about it and not jump to conclusion about what's cause and what's effect. Of course, the incidents of the last, uh, not only the last month or so, but also the last several years, the safety is a major concern of parents when they send their children to, to uh, schools. Uh, and this is a very difficult uh, uh, problem because there's no real solution to how you keep 500 or 600 students in a, uh, in a building safe. Right. So what's being done there and how does that fit into this overall picture? I think the the beauty of a public schools everywhere is that they accept kids every single day for whatever situation they're coming in from, right? They could be living in a car, they could be suffering trauma at home, um, they could be hungry, and our school systems wrap them around with support, and, and teachers in particular take the brunt of this. And a lot of our teachers are, are sitting in classrooms really acting as counselors and therapists, and, and they're looking for food, and they're looking for clothing. Um, and, and frankly, that's not their job. Their job should be to teach. I don't, I don't have my marketing person do my accounting, right? Let's let our teachers teach. And that means that we need to sur surround teachers and students um, with more supports. Um, Communities and Schools is a great organization that does that. They actually meet students where they are every single day and make sure that whatever resources they need are available to them. I think that kind of um, whole child approach is really what we need to, to do and it has to start from pre-K um, classrooms all the way up. We can't solve this problem when we have a, a disruptive ninth grader, right? This problem has to, to be, um, these problems have to be addressed really early on and we can't depend on our teachers to really solve every problem. They are there to teach, and let's let's protect their, that time, and let's bring in more counselors and support services for for students who who frankly need that help. Well, there's always this uh, thing of uh, dumping problem your problems on somebody else. It's always a, a very convenient way to to uh, get it off your plate. 
Our guest is Brenda Berg, who's the president and CEO of Best NC, and we'll be back with one final segment here on Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. I'm not staying home tonight. I'm at school all day. If they want me to do the work, give it to me while I'm at school. This guy has me coming to work 10 hours a day. So what if I didn't finish school? That doesn't mean he can work me like a dog. Hey, man, I need a few bucks. My car's busted and I need some cash. Hello? Hello? Every decision you make has a benefit or a consequence. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the United States Air Force. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. A reminder, this program comes in two sec- uh, two different forms. A number of stations carry a half-hour version of the program, which means there are two segments that you don't hear. If you'd like to hear those two segments, then you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com. Or if you'd like to share a repeat of the broadcast with a friend, you can also find the entire broadcast, uh, which is actually 45 minutes of program content on uh, carolinanewsmakers.com. Our guest this week is Brenda Berg. She's been with us a number of times. She's the president and CEO of Best NC, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan coalition of business leaders who commit themselves to improving North Carolina's public education system through policy and advocacy. So, Brenda, that brings me to the fact that the General Assembly is in session. There is legislation, of course, every time around that affects education. So what are the issues that you are watching and the ones that you're advocating for and maybe even advocating again? Yeah, it's been a, a it was a quick start to the session. There were a lot of bills going through. We've, we were involved in three bills that have, have already become law. Um, and now it's um, a, a full stop uh, waiting for the budget to, to go through. There's some pieces that are, are, are going through, but um, the, the ones that we've been working on, um, we've, we've worked on this advanced math placement bill um, and taking that to the next level. We've been working on an economics and personal finance bill, um, ensuring that all students get a full course of economics and personal finance. Um, and instead of right now, it's been part of a social studies course. Um, North Carolina, I should explain a little bit more, has four social studies requirements which is amongst the highest number in the nation. There's, there's only, there are only seven states that, that have that. By pulling out one of those courses exclusively for economics and personal finance, we still have three full social studies history courses available to our students. So it was a, it was a fairly easy lift in terms of we, we, our students are still going to be getting a lot of great civics and, and social studies and history classes, um, but having a full course on economics and personal finance 
will help our students really understand financial literacy and what they're getting into as they head into college and take on college debt. So I'm excited about that. Unfortunately, that starts with the class of 2024 and my youngest is class of 2023, so I won't see a personal benefit, but I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we've also been working, as you know, we're obsessed with educators um, and working on um, principal preparation. We helped merge two principal preparation programs together. So together they are preparing 40% of the entire pipeline for principals in the state of North Carolina. It's sort of the, the, the most overlooked aspect of education is we need great school leaders. I'm really excited about that work. It will all come under the principal fellows uh, program and that's been merged effective July 1. And I'm on that commission, so I'm excited about that. The rest is all sitting there in the budget waiting to happen, so we'll see where that goes, but we're working on principal pay um, and creating more advanced teaching roles for teachers. I haven't brought up in the previous segments of the program the T word, testing, which seems to be uh, a matter of great concern to teachers, parents, students, uh, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, uh, agreement on this. Uh, so. What uh, what what are your views on testing, and is there too much testing? Is the testing adequate? Uh, it, does the testing really find out what we want to know? Those are about uh, five or six different questions at <laughs> one, so you can just take off. Well, this comes back to what we did talk about earlier, though, is do we want every single student to constantly be moved up one grade at a time, right? If we the testing that we have is really under the assumption that every 14-year-old should get the same test and then every 15-year-old should get the same test. So it's to me, it's less a question of do we have too many tests? I think we need to have accountability. We need to know where students are for those students' sake, but also for the system's sake. We need to know how we can get better, where our pockets of greatness are. Um, assessments are really important, but the, the, the assessments we have are outdated, right? And so I think part of the conflict in the conversations is our technology hasn't caught up to where our heads are on this, right? If we can have a student gateway test so we know that they can add and then we don't have to keep testing them for the rest of eternity on whether they can add, um, and then test them on multiplication when they can when they know multiplication and get that out of the way as opposed to right now you can have a student who doesn't know how to add but yet we're forced to test them on multiplication even though we know full well that they don't know how to add so the the testing system I think part of the tension is is isn't so much too much or too little but it's been conflated when the fact of the matter is the the, the, the way we um, move kids through the system is is not as modern as frankly it needs to be well there's also been some concerns especially on the school systems that are sort of on the borderline when compared to other schools that uh, the teachers are then instructed to teach to the test rather than teach for the education it, does that happen or is it, that it definitely that, happens where um, especially kids on the bubble, so to speak. If you have students who are at the top of a three, you want to push them over to a four. And and m many of the school leaders that I talk with say they don't mind the incentive. They don't mind that motive to, kids need to learn the content. So the content matters and, and knowing what's on the test matters. Um, I think the, the stress of a, a several hour test on a fourth grader is, is something that is of, of real genuine concern. Um, and I think that we're not testing on some of the core values. We started the show talking about grit, right? So how do we 
also measure the other things that are important, like being able to work in a team and, and being able to collaborate and having grit and tenacity. How do we measure some of those factors so that it's not just about rote memorization, but it's about skills, right? So it's, it's a combination of, of many factors. We've talked about all sorts of things in the school system, but we haven't talked a lot about extracurricular activities, including athletics. Uh, how, how do you feel that our school system in North Carolina uh, is handling the, this issue of how to handle athletics uh, and also uh, avoiding the, the possibility of putting too much emphasis on athletics? That's right. The, the... And I'm a big athletic fan, so I, you know, <laughs> I, but I still worry about that. Well, like, I, you know, I have... Uh, two student, two two children in the public school system who who um, the the whether it's athletics or extracurriculars like the arts, I think this, for many kids those efforts keep them in school. Right, yes. they're they're getting exposed to mentors and you know teams and collaboration and all those things that we all value as a as a culture. I think you're right, it can be too much. If you look at some of our highest performing football teams in the state, they're also often correlated with some of our lowest test scores in the state. So if you put too much emphasis on the extracurriculars because it makes the school look good while you're not, I mean, our state motto to be not to seem, um, we need to really put as much emphasis on, on academics and career readiness as we are into sports and and having something fun to do on Friday nights, which I'm a big fan of as well. So you're getting ready to leave this program here in a few minutes. So what's at the very top of your list right now? What what are you most concerned about today? Well, today I'm still obsessed with teachnc.org because we're just launching it this week. And it is the beginning of the school year. There are a lot of vacancies. So the more I can help promote what a great profession that we have and, and pulling potential candidates into the profession this is this is my this is where i'm leaving today and this is what i'll be working on for the for the next foreseeable future and your website address if people would like to know more about best nc is bestnc.org you can also find lots of information in data at ncedfacts.org Brenda Burke, thank you so much for being with us. Our program this week has been produced by Rick Martinez, and we will have another interesting guest, I'm promised, again next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. If you'd like to hear a repeat of the broadcast, you can go to uh, carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast or the segments you might have missed. Till next week, have a nice week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Carolina Newsmakers.